Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, dedicated to advancing options and providing hope for people living with cancer. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about the surgical management of thoracic malignancies with Dr. Andrew Danisopan. Dr. Danisopan is an assistant professor of thoracic surgery at the Yale School of Medicine, where Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology. So, Andrew, maybe we can start off by you telling us a little bit more about what it is that you do. Uh, thoracic surgeons uh, operate uh, on the chest, um, most commonly uh, cancers within the chest. Um, but we uh, take care of patients with both um, uh, malignant and uh, benign conditions uh, within the chest. Uh, the majority of our uh, patients tend to be lung cancer patients, and so that tends to be the majority of our practice. So lung cancer seems to be pretty prevalent. Is that still the case? Yes, um, this is still the case uh, due to uh, um, smoking history. Um, and uh, it is the uh, number one cause of death by cancer in the United States. Uh, and it is the uh, second the most common um, uh, highest uh, incidence of uh, cancer uh, for both men and women. Yeah. And so when you think about that, you know, often on this show, we talk about all kinds of different modalities that people use to treat cancer, whether it's uh, surgery or whether it's chemotherapy or whether it's radiation. How many patients actually or what proportion of lung cancer patients actually are treated with surgery? Is that the majority or, or is that a pretty low number? Uh, compared to the total uh, number of patients who are uh, diagnosed each year, um, the number of patients who uh, are uh, eligible for surgery um, is uh, not the majority of patients. Um, however, um, as we uh, detect uh, more and more lung cancer through lung cancer screening, uh, more patients are identified earlier uh, in the disease process and thus are uh, eligible for uh, surgery as a treatment. Yeah. You know, as a surgeon, I guess I'm a little bit biased, but I I often think that when patients are eligible for, for surgery, it's often a good thing because we're often treating people for curative intent. Is that right? Yes, and that's the same for lung cancer as well. Uh, surgery for lung cancer typically is uh, f- uh, most helpful for patients who are uh, in their early stage of lung cancer. And so historically, talk a little bit about how lung cancer was managed surgically. Sure. Uh, so lung cancer um, had been managed uh, with what's called a thoracotomy. Um, so a thoracotomy is a large uh, incision on the side of the chest, um, usually about six inches or so long. And uh, uh, through that uh, skin incision, uh, the access is in between uh, the ribs, um, and uh, those are spread open uh, in order to access the lung and the lung cancer and to remove the tumor. 
And so tell us more. I mean, it sounds like that's a pretty big operation. You know, you're you're in hospital. Somebody's making this large cut in your chest and spreading ribs and taking out part of your lung. What does that feel like or look like from a patient perspective? How long are you in hospital? Um, does that mean that you're on a breathing tube? Does that mean that you're in ICU? Tell us, a, give us, paint us a little bit more of a picture of what that looks like. Sure. Uh, so over time, uh, up till uh, modern day, um, when patients require a thoracotomy incision for their lung cancer, um, in hospital, a stay is usually between uh, three to five days. Um, and patients are usually uh, in a step down unit uh, for monitoring their vital signs. Um, and the majority of the hospital stay is uh, making sure their pain is well controlled so that they can uh, deep breathe well and uh, cough well and um, and recover uh, after uh, such a big operation. But I understand that, you know, now, just like many surgeries, we, we think about gallbladder surgery um, that used to be done with a big cut as well, um, where now uh, it can be done with, you know, three little holes and, and some um, cameras, uh, what what many people in, in the lay public call little telescopes, um, um, where, where the gallbladder can be removed through tiny incisions. Has lung cancer surgery progressed to that point as well? Yes, absolutely. So that's uh, minimally invasive lung surgery. Uh, starting in about the 90s, um, there was a uh, the uh, progress in terms of um, minimally invasive instrumentation, just as your, uh, you had mentioned for gallbladder surgery, these uh, laparoscopic instruments were modified for the chest. And so uh, what that looks like today is uh, usually a camera, um, and uh, it's usually about a five millimeter uh, or less than half an inch um, uh, in diameter camera. Uh, that gets uh, projected onto a typical uh, HD uh, screen in the OR. Um, that's through one incision, and there are three other uh, small incisions, um, again, usually quite small, about a centimeter. Uh, and through these uh, total of uh, four incisions, um, we use that technique to uh, remove lung cancer uh, where previously we had uh, done a thoracotomy. And so it sounds like that would potentially be much easier on patients, much less pain. So so what does that picture look like? I mean, do patients go home sooner? Um, you know, because it doesn't sound like you'd need to spread ribs and those kinds of things. So paint us a, a contrasting picture to uh, what that looks like as opposed to a thoracotomy. Sure. Uh, so um, when patients undergo this type of um uh, surgery uh, called VATS uh, or video-assisted thoracoscopic surgery. Uh, as you're saying, the uh, because of the smaller incisions, patients do um, have less pain. Uh, they do recover in the hospital and at home uh, much more easily. Um, and their quality of life and a return to work is sooner as well. And um, from a variety of studies that have been done over time, uh, this has shown to, um, uh, to be the case uh, com uh, compared to uh, open uh, thoracotomy cases.
And so whereas uh, thoracotomy patients spend about three to four days in hospital in a step down, um, what happens to patients who are treated with VATs? Usually uh, it does uh, result in a reduction of the hospital stay um, from one to two days, depending on uh, various uh, uh, other factors. Uh, but um, the reduction in the hospital stay uh, is usually from reduction in pain. And so in terms of if we if we take a step back and we think about it from the healthcare system, um, is one procedure cheaper than the other? I mean, I can see that, um, you know, thoracotomies likely have increased costs um, due to increased length of stay. Um, but on the other hand, there's, there's capital equipment and technology that adds up to cost as well. Have people looked at differences between VATS and thoracotomy in terms of cost? Yes, um, there have been several studies, uh, and um, the uh, general um, conclusion from these is that uh, because of reduced hospital stay, uh, minimally invasive um, uh, the minimally invasive approach uh, VATS uh, is less costly. Um, but as you were saying, uh, the hospital, of course, has to invest in the uh, capital up front. Um, and um, this is also similar to another minimally invasive um, uh, uh, instrument, uh, the robotic approach. Um, again, uh, there is investment up front on the hospital and the health system. Uh, but over time, um, there is uh, um, reduced cost. And so for patients, when patients are looking at um, paying out of pocket for these procedures um, uh, or if they have a, a per particular percentage that they have to pay in terms of um, co-pays and those kinds of things, um, is there a difference in terms of patient cost as well? Uh, I actually do not uh, have a good idea on uh, the cost from the patient's standpoint. Um, I do uh, believe that um, as the healthcare system uh, uh, has savings on this, that it uh, uh, would get passed on to the patient, but I, I yeah. don't know specifically. Yeah, yeah, one would one would certainly imagine so, and. And VATS procedures now have become fairly widely accepted, right? So, um, so most insurances should cover uh, VATS procedures just as they would thoracotomies. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, all uh, insurance companies do cover uh, VATS, uh, the um, minimally invasive approach uh, compared to the thoracotomy. So are there any reasons why a particular patient may not opt for a VATS procedure versus a thoracotomy? Are there patients that you would kind of lean more towards doing things, as we would say, old school? Yeah, as you can imagine, for uh, the minimally invasive approach uh, that requires uh, instrumentation that is uh, small, um, in order to fit through the small uh, incisions that we use. Um, and so uh, VATS is uh, used for um, relatively straightforward lung cancer operations. Uh, for operations that are more complicated, for example, a larger tumor 
or if the patient has received chemotherapy and or radiation uh, where there is more uh, scarring uh, due to um, those uh, treatments, uh, that does make it more difficult uh, to use the VATS instruments. Um, it's not uh, uh, totally unreasonable, but um, it is certainly uh, easier on the uh, surgeon to uh, do the operation through a thoracotomy for uh, those scenarios. And does it take special kind of training to be able to do VATS procedures or are most lung cancer surgeons pretty adept at both? Uh, in uh, today's um, thoracic surgery uh, practices, um, almost all, uh, at least in the United States, uh, almost all thoracic surgeons um, have been trained in VATS uh, in addition to the traditional uh, thoracotomy approach. And so most hospitals then um, have the, this technology that patients would be able to avail themselves of. It's not like you have to go to, you know, someplace special to get that. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, most hospitals would have uh, this, um, the uh, instrumentation for uh, minimally invasive uh, bats. Yes. Well, we are going to take a very short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about surgical management of thoracic malignancies. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, working to eliminate cancer as a cause of death. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a medical minute about breast cancer, the most common cancer in women. In Connecticut alone, approximately 3,000 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer this year. But thanks to earlier detection, non-invasive treatments, and novel therapies, there are more options for patients to fight breast cancer than ever before. Women should schedule a baseline mammogram beginning at age 40 or earlier if they have risk factors associated with breast cancer. Digital breast tomosynthesis, or 3D mammography, is transforming breast screening by significantly reducing unnecessary procedures while picking up more cancers and eliminating some of the fear and anxiety many women experience. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. We are discussing the surgical management of thoracic malignancies. So, Andrew, right before the break, we were talking a lot about how um, historically lung cancer had been taken out with thoracotomies, which are large cuts. People needed to stay in hospital several days in a, in a step-down unit, and how um, really, things have evolved towards VATS or video-assisted thoracic surgery, um, where you can use kind of small incisions, a little camera that can go in, um, and and remove these, ultimately reducing pain, reducing length of stay. You had mentioned before the break that there's yet another technology in terms of robotic surgery. Tell us more about that. So the uh, Intuitive um, uh, company um, uh, produced a uh, robotic uh, technology in the um, 2000s, um, and that's what is commonly known uh, today as the uh, Da Vinci robot. Uh, so that is another minimally invasive uh, tool that thoracic surgeons can use uh, to surgically treat lung cancer. 
So, so tell us, tell us more about this because the whole concept of, you know, robots doing your surgery for some might seem really um, high tech and really innovative for others might seem really um, kind of frightening um, because you, uh, you kind of like the idea of a human actually being there to, to manage your cancer. So how exactly does this robot uh, or robotic surgery work? Is it really like there's a, a small little robot that goes in there and does your surgery? Uh, during robotic um, lung cancer cases, uh, we have the uh, robot uh, arms uh, at the patient's table. Um, and a few feet away, uh, the surgeon sits at a console uh, where they view uh, the um, the images from the robotic camera, uh, and they use um, uh, instrumentation to move the robotic arms uh, that way. So the surgeon is certainly uh, in the room uh, next to the patient um, with the robotic arms at the patient's uh, OR table uh, doing the uh, actual work inside the chest. So, so the important uh, key is that the surgeon is really the brain that's operating the robot and the robot's arms. These robots are not um, operating independently of, of a surgeon who, who is there. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the robot is not uh, autonomous. Um, the robot in each and every movement is directed by the surgeon. So why is this any different or um, than, than VATS, where, where you're still working with um, instruments um, and looking at an image on a screen? Both are certainly minimally invasive um, approaches uh, with the uh, robotic technology um, performed through uh, four small incisions, um, each are between eight to 12 millimeters in size. Um, and there, uh, there is a additional um, incision, a small incision that's made for the um, assistant at the bedside um, to uh, assist during the uh, operation as well. Uh, so both certainly uh, do uh, result in less um, pain in the post-operative period than an open thoracotomy. Um, the main advantages for the robotic approach um, uh, is, number one, uh, the improved visualization. Uh, because of the robotic camera uh, and the uh, technology that went into developing that, uh, it does give you a three-dimensional view of the surgical field, uh, sort of like you were actually inside the chest looking at these structures and doing the surgery that way. Um, in addition to that, it's uh, certainly more ergonomic as well. Um, and uh, if it's uh, easier on uh, the surgeon, that certainly helps uh, the operation go uh, well and for the patients to have a better outcome. So, you know, it, it, I can appreciate that the, uh, the camera is a little bit better, the arms are a little bit better uh, in terms of, of their uh, ergonomics and, and potentially the degree to which they are flexible in moving in various directions, uh, which can make the operation um, a, little, uh, a little easier um, to perform. 
But there must be added cost to this whole system over uh, VATS, which, as you mentioned, um, is pretty universally available. Certainly. Um, the robotic system has a greater capital cost for the hospital, for the health system. Uh, and in addition to the actual tools, uh, the actual robot and the consoles, um, there d- does need to be additional training on the side of the staff as well. Uh, for example, uh, a um, person at the bedside uh, being another a surgeon, a resident, a physician assistant to assist. And in addition to that person, of course, the uh, nursing staff in the room uh, to uh, help um, uh, set up the uh, the robotic instrumentation for uh, the operation. And not to mention uh, in scenarios where um, an acute uh, issue needs to be dealt with, um, uh, the whole team needs to be aware of how to um, maneuver things so that um, uh, that could be dealt with uh, without the robot. Um, And so there there are many many things that are uh, required uh, for a a surgeon to um, perform uh, robotic uh, thoracic surgery um, uh, as part of their practice. Um, the uh, idea, uh, one of the um, uh, ideas behind uh, the technology is also to allow uh, surgeons who uh, have perhaps not trained in uh, VATS um, to uh, be able to perform a minimally invasive approach uh, a lot uh, easier Um um, as both the VATS approach and the robotic approach do have a learning curve associated with them, uh, the learning curve from uh, open um, thoracotomy to robotic approach uh, is an easier, um, minimally invasive approach to learn. And so from the patient's standpoint, if you compare VATS to robotic surgery, is there any difference in terms of length of stay or pain or return to work? Uh, There have been uh, and continue to be studies looking at this um, and um, uh, other um, factors as well. Uh, for example, um, the uh, length of stay, there is a trend towards um, decreased length of stay. There is a trend towards decreased um, pain, uh, but so far nothing that is statistically significant. Um, the other um, factor to consider is from a cancer operation if um, any of these minimally invasive approaches are similar or, or uh, uh, different than the traditional approach in terms of cancer survival. Um, and uh, so far, um, both the VATS and the ro- robotic approach um, uh, do not have a, a difference between them uh, or with the uh, traditional uh, thoracotomy approach in terms of uh, cancer survivalship. And is is robotic surgery covered by all insurances the way VATS is? And would um, be the cost to the patient and or to the hospital system um, be the same? Uh, most insurance companies do recognize um, robotic surgery and it is covered. Um, I don't know the specifics of how uh, uh, the uh, uh, com- 
comparison between a robotic approach versus a uh, VATS approach um, in terms of the final cost to the patient. Yeah. And so how do you make the decision between whether to offer patients a VATS procedure versus uh, a robotic procedure? I think the main thing is from the surgeon uh, experience and training standpoint. Uh, I think when patients are uh, uh, seeing uh, a a, a thoracic surgeon uh, and discussing surgical options, um, if the surgeon has trained and and is comfortable with the VATS approach, uh, then I think uh, that is appropriate, of course. And if uh, they are um, more comfortable and have trained uh, in the robotic approach, then uh, that is uh, fine as well. I think the main uh, the main thing for patients to um, be aware of uh, is that um, the uh, thoracic surgeon have some experience in a minimally invasive approach, whether it's VATS or robotic, uh, so that their uh, length of stay is less, their pain is less, um, their uh, return to work uh, is sooner, uh, and there are also less um, complications uh, after surgery uh, compared to the traditional open approach as well. Yeah. And just do all hospitals have uh, robotic surgery or, you know, because when we were talking about VATS, you had kind of mentioned that this is pretty ubiquitous. Most people have trained in, in VATS. And so um, it would be something that would be very amenable no matter where you were. Um it doesn't sound like uh, that's necessarily the case for robotic surgery. Is that right? Not all hospitals or hospital systems have the uh, Da Vinci uh, robotic technology. Um, this is uh, uh, something that is becoming more common. Um, and um, uh, my understanding from a financial standpoint is that uh, the company um, – uh, does work with the hospital and the health system to come up with a um, suitable plan uh, so that um, they can uh, offer the robotic technology uh, to their patients uh, and to um, save on the cost of the um, of the technology that uh, the cost savings uh, hopefully does get passed on to the patient as well. And so... You know, when you had talked about kind of um, deciding between VATS versus robotic surgery, you had really mentioned that it it had to do primarily with the the surgeon's comfort. If surgeons are comfortable with both techniques um, and, and have been trained in both, are there particular patient characteristics that would lean you more one way or another? Yeah, uh, for the robotic approach, um, uh, the instruments tend to be uh, longer um, and sturdier than the uh, VATS instruments. And so uh, for uh, patients, for example, who might be morbidly obese, um, that uh, subset of patients, uh, it would be easier um, for the surgeon to do the um, surgery robotically versus by VATS. Um, And uh, there are um, uh, other scenarios from a um, a tumor standpoint as well. Um, uh, 
with the robotic approach, uh, the ability to do very fine, detailed uh, dissection and surgery um, is uh, enhanced compared to the uh, VATS approach due to the improved uh, camera, uh, the improved ergonomics, um, and the um, the ability to, for the uh, robotic instrumentation to uh, have uh, uh, greater degrees of freedom uh, with the instrumentation. So uh, for those uh, types of tumors as well, uh, those are um, uh, um, better uh, performed with um, robotic versus VATS. Dr. Andrew Donisopan is an assistant professor of thoracic surgery at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.